this week on Grip and Grin. For those hardcore fly fishermen, the early winter season can be a grind. However, at the end of those long, cold days sits a pot of gold. Mother Nature always rewards those who are persistent. Listen along as the Grip and Grin team talks trout conservation, rainbows, and nymphing. Welcome to another episode of Grip and Grin. Yep, we're here to talk more fly fishing, and I'm happy about it. I got a shitty grin on my face from ear to ear. Yeah, this oh. episode holds magic. Yeah. <laughs> because they do exist. Rainbow trout are a thing. What'd you say? Rainbow trout? Uh, unibos? Unicorns? Yeah, yeah, unicorns, you know? Yeah. Mystical creatures? Yep. Yeah. You've made many a trip. Down to visit me. That's an understatement, but yes, many trips. Many. We've stocked a rainbow. You've hooked into fish. You caught brookies down here. Native brookies, too, which is pretty cool. I grinded. I saw it one day. I was like, they like there it is, but never caught it. And now we're getting to the full circle. Yeah, we... You know, we we built we built you up. You know, you've had encounters with them. You caught that big salmon, that big brown. You were now ready to play a fish, a big fish. I'm seasoned. And we really got into nymphing this this trip. But prior to we, that, <laughs> before we get into that, uh, check the Instagram, check our latest pod. Everything's out. Uh, we have a ton of photos coming your way. Yep. We have more pods coming out too. Uh, share, share around with people. I know we were uh, talking about the other day, the reach of this podcast mm, is yes. a lot more than I expected. I mean, some of the states that pop up. Well, it's funny you say it cause like that's, that's the part that I see. Cause you don't really see that part that often. Cause I'm, I'm the one that's kind of maintaining that like social media aspect for the pod. Yep. You're doing more of the Instagram route. And I get to see, like, the fine, minute details of, like, who's listening to this podcast. And we were talking about it, and there's California's on there. Out of this country, didn't you say Australia? Australia, I mean, the UK, uh, I mean. The Other list, par- Eastern Europe, right? East, think- yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, the list goes on. It's insane. It so is insane. We don't ask often, but share with people, you know. Yeah. I mean, we think we're doing a pretty good product here. And New York's hot, man. New York. Yeah. I mean, got a I lot of downloads that. for New York. A lot. We need more from Mass. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Not much out west yeah, either. I, I'm like, I've been grinding for the state and representing. <laughs> and it's like, okay, no one gives a fuck. But yeah, it is what it is. Uh, so to start off this pod, I actually... Shout out to North Carolina. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I... um. I had it like a, I saw a tidbit online where the uh, Trout Unlimited chapter for a part of Mass had a presentation from the manager of cold water fisheries for the state of Mass. And he did a national, he was at a national convention where he gave a talk about the, uh, the study they've done on this particular tailwater in Mass and all the work they're doing to uh, make it 
make it better and improve it and whatnot. I've talked about it before, and we're going to talk about it in a couple pods, but the uh, it's not it's not a secret, but the Farmington River in Connecticut is a well-managed fishery. It's probably one of the most pristine fly fishing like opportunities you have on the East Coast. And it's in a highly populated area, and they've, they manage it for wild trout. You can catch wild trout holdovers. They live. You know, you actually can have year fish year-round. Year it's, it's the model, right, for the East Coast. I would say it's, it's the future standard. Exactly. It's and where we want our rivers to be. But they're not there yet. Exactly. But we've had success on this river. So this particular chapter is working towards getting their river to be like the Farmington. I'm I'm speaking on behalf of them, but right. you know they they probably have a different look at it. So the, this presentation went into the state of wild brown trout mm. in this particular waterway and. A crazy, crazy fact. 80% of the brown trout in this river are wild. 80%. Now, that's due to the fact that you were saying last night that they've been doing this for how long? This study's been going on for 8 to 10 years. And 80% of those brown trout are wild. Yep. And they do not stock a lot of brown trout in this particular uh, watershed. So average size for those brown trout are what? 14 to 18 inches. Which... (laughs) It's a decent-sized trout. And on top of that, the the guy that was doing this uh, study, he said, we didn't even skim the surface of the fish in here. Like, our, our methods only work given conditions of the water, if you have a certain flow, because they're electroshocking these fish and Correct. taking this study. Yep. So when they, um, when they put fish into this river, obviously they put a lot of rainbow trout in here, and they do hold over well. And we'll get into their wild rainbows in a little bit. But if they put a brown trout in this river or any drainage into this river, their fins are clipped. So you can always tell if it's a holdover brown trout or a wild brown trout because they have the adipose fin. Mm-hmm. So the adipose fin, which really doesn't serve a big purpose for the fish, clear indicator if it's wild. And I've caught a lot of trout that had the adipose fin, and that 80% lives up to the hype. Nice. Sorry about the uh, the furnace. The it's, furnace kicking on because it's really cold. It's cold. <laughs> negative negative degrees here. Negative teens with wind chill, and you're looking at negative 30s. Yep. I don't know if it's that cold today, but it's still pretty cold. But as far as that fin goes, we're just gonna keep rolling here. But that fin that you were mentioning for those of for those of those folks that don't know, because uh, some of you fly fishermen might know, but um, where is that fin located? So on the it's fish? on the, the the very tail end of the fish on the top. It's behind the dorsal fin and right above the tail fin. So it's like that smooth rolled over fin that you see. Exactly, and it's you know it's kind of like a knuckle, as big as a knuckle, and yep. it'll have a red tinge on the tip of it sometimes. Sometimes they don't, but a lot of trout that I've caught have a little red tinge to it. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing they're trying to do on this river is. Increase the minimum flow rate in the winter time, and the minimum flow rate in the winter is the it exponentially changes the success rate of uh, fry. Mm. So, if you have a river that fluctuates between 125 cfs and three to four thousand cfs, those reds where the brown trout are spawning, 
they'll be exposed and freeze because if you're at 125 oh, yeah. CFS and they are in like let's say uh, a little inner corner of the river and that the flows drop, then that that whole red is frozen killed. Makes sense. So they in this study they talked about one winter they had a very wet winter and the minimum flow never got below 125, and their wild trout population dramatically increased just because of the minimum flow was around like 300 CFS. So they've been fighting to get a higher minimum flow rate at this river, which would drastically change. And I think I'm pretty sure I would have to read up more on it. They have passed it through with the, uh, the dam renewable energy company to make the minimum flow at 250, which would be game changing for this river. No. Yeah. That's legit. Because I remember that post, they came out, you sent me that post. You're like, they did it. It was approved or... So it takes effect next year, 2024. Yep. And it's going to... This waterway, it's going to be dynamite in a few years. Mm -hmm. I'm saying it now. So to kind of wrap up the whole talk he gave, he um, they're saying they're going to start doing more of rainbow trout uh, studies. And they were talking about some of the feeder brooks into this river are great spawning grounds for these trout and brown trout do go up into these spawning rivers and they, um, they reproduce in them and they're major, like what, I I don't know the word for it, like homesteads for the breeding grounds, I guess. That's fine. Yeah. But the, what's kind of weird, you're like a stone's throw away from Vermont, really. Like you're in, you're in, you're in the Berkshire Hills. You know, the green mountains just kind of flow in. And if you go up an hour, two hours, you can catch all these wild bows yep. and all these like feeder brooks. You really don't get that a lot in mass. And I feel like if you make a couple changes here and there, the fishing in Western Mass could just dramatically increase and get right. way better. And there's some beautiful rivers out there, smaller sized rivers that, I mean, I've taken you to a couple of them. I was For pristine water. It's an overlooked fishery. I mean... Mass is a, kind of a hidden gem in my eye after fishing it for a, two years almost. Yep. But this all leads into, I will not say the pinnacle because we, we have more to talk about in later pods, <laughs> but at the time was the pinnacle of your trips down to Mass. Yeah. Um, when was this? When did I come down for so this? So you came down after Thanksgiving at the very end of November. End of November. That seems like last year. I, know. I mean, it was last year. Don't be wrong, but like. Oh, okay, okay. But it seems like last year. I know it. So much has happened between that trip and now. It is unbelievable. And you came down. It was perfect timing. Where we had this was probably my fifth or sixth time being down to pursue rainbows. And we we had the stars align for the most perfect mm. conditions for this river. We had low flows. So we were able to go anywhere we wanted on this river. Yep. And, you know, last episode we talked about streamer fishing. In the summer we talked about dry flies, double rigs, whatever. We really, in this particular time of year, nymphing is king. It's king, but you've also, like, you got to bring out the, you got to bring out the, like, as far as quality of nymphing, you have to have it to the T. Yeah, you because need your skills. Rainbow, like, 
the sight of the rainbows better or like not necessarily better, but like they're picky. Yes, they're a lot more picky than you would expect. And this is a, you know, I don't fish this particular spot in the spring and summer because it's extremely pressured. It has thousands of anglers running through this waterway. And we're going at a time of year that this is when people start to, you know, peter off and they're doing the other things on right. fly fishing. So we were able to have kind of the pick of the whole river. Well, not only that, but with the low flows of water, it was like, it was nice to actually get to spots that people couldn't really get to. Yeah. Because with the, the flows that we had. And what was to build off that a little bit more, you've, you've kind of, exp- not exposed yourself, but just got your feet wet with our main outing in the fall to get into fall fly fishing. And yeah. this was kind of the, let's go off the deep end type deal. Right. Like, let's get all into it and really just kind of, not grind, but grind. We're, we're gonna, going to work right yeah. now. We got to make this happen. So for our setups, you're, you're rocking your uh, TFO, five weight, nine footer. You got your Orvis Clearwater Reel, Scientific Angler line on it, textured. And I'm rocking my nine foot four weight, Rennington uh, Classic Trout. The, the flies we used, so they, they really key in on stone flies this time of year so we're mm-hmm. we're running pat's rubber legs a pheasant tail stone a copper stone but our trailing fly that day was a actually an emerger pattern so we had guides choice on there pheasant tail mergers something a little just buggy and we started off at this kind of a pinch point i call it the gorge and if you're there and the water rises you're absolutely fucked yeah. absolutely fucked it's a safety issue yeah, you have nowhere to escape if the water rises, and no. we knew that they weren't going to release. So we we get ready. We start working our way up into this gorge, and we get to this like this long pool, and the water's pretty clear because it's, it's a low flow. And I look, and I can literally see trout in the water mm-hmm. right in front of me. And I'm like, dude, there's a trout right in front of me. But... We we were throwing our nymphs, so we really weren't getting much action. And you took this nice, beautiful cast, had a nice upstream mend on it. And all of a sudden, your indicator exploded. I've caught fish nymphing, but like that was textbook wise the first official like take on a nymph. Take on a nymph. Like the flow was right. The line was a was a, a perfect drift. And the indicator just disappeared. Gone. Not only did it disappear, it first shot upstream at least three feet and then gone. And you go, oh, there's one. <laughs> <laughs> so immediate set and we're hooked in, baby. Um... I did make an observation, though, because you always told me, and I know the time of year is different, but, like, you always told me, like, rainbows jump, like, you know, all the time, blah, 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 and, like, the fight's always good, but, like, this fight seems very lethargic in a way. Yeah, their metabolism slows dramatically once the water temps go down, so it wasn't an explosion, you know, that I'm used to, but on top of that, it was 
I'm pretty sure, wasn't that a holdover? It was a holdover, I'm pretty sure, but the colors on that fish. Beautiful. Were incredible. Incredible. I'm pretty sure that's been posted on Instagram. Yeah, so that's already been posted. So go check out, like, and share that. I mean, that's our most liked photo. That was the most liked photo. Um, I think last we checked, it had like 118 hits, which is pretty damn good. Happy with that. But it, uh, it, you finally got your hands on your first bow, dude. I was I was almost in tears. I was almost in tears. Was I in tears? No, not quite. We were pretty excited. There was there yeah, was a good one eighteen. It's crazy. Uh, vibe around that. The, I mean, we talked about it in our recap. I'm go back and listen to that. That was, yeah. That moment it was one of the highlights of the year. Easily. And Easily. The, the day only got started with that. Right. Because, not uh, right after that, I hooked into a couple of them, good sized ones, yep. nice bows, and then I worked up the gorge a little bit farther and. I hooked into this wild brown, yeah. but this this brown trout, which I caught in the tail end of this pool, goes down two sets of waterfalls, <laughs> and I'm like on this big ass boulder, and I'm just looking over to you. I'm like, you're gonna have to net this fucking thing. <laughs> you didn't. Even, there was no communication. You just looked over, and I'm like, yeah, hold on, let me reel in, because <laughs> majority of the time, like, you're better as far as technique, like fighting the fish and whatnot, but like, you gave me the look of like. I'm not pulling this back up through these waterfalls. Like, I'm. you need to net this. <laughs> so, and the other part was, like, if you took, what, a two steps, maybe one step off of, like, the boulders right there? Four feet, five feet? Yeah. So I'm like, I can try, but... And I had to fight that fish for a little <laughs> bit. To, it kept on going back into the current and then coming out, going back into the current and then coming out. And we finally got it to the net. But that's what I'm saying about browns, dude. The fight on browns in the fall, uh, you, there's nothing, I mean. Well, it, we're going to talk more about wild browns and how they fight in the next episode. Because a 12-inch wild brown in this particular waterway, uh, you're insane. You, you would guess it's like a 16-inch holdover rainbow. Right. And it, they're fun. They're absolutely fun to yeah. catch. When we just kind of start dominating that section, I mean, you were catching fish. I was catching fish. I mean, I caught at least four or five out of there. I think you caught, what, three or four? I think I caught six Damn. in the stretch. So I remember asking, I was like, how? I, I lost count. I Six could be bullshit numbers, but like... <laughs> I remember I was like, how many have I caught? I was like, two, three. You're like, at least like five, six. I'm like, has it really been that many? Yeah, I know. We were, and this is just a stretch of uh, 50 yards really where it got good. Yeah. And we were, we were really working these pockets and these plunge pools and whatnot. But after we finished that, uh, that little spot, side note, I remember I caught a tree. <laughs> I pulled down the branch and there was about like six oh, yeah. other flies in it. <laughs> but. We, you can tell those were rafters, though. Oh, easily, easily. They were like, shit, oh, you can't get it back. Because like, I could easily get it from the, the right, shoreline. But. Right. So we, we get out, and there's this other section of river that we've dabbled in before. Um, yep. it, was, it was a little difficult to access on the particular side of the river. So with the low flows, we were able to go upstream, cross, and then fish this nice, deep pocket. And this pocket, what? I just sat on the river, and you were just pulling them out. <laughs> Prior to that, so that down tree. Oh yeah, on that curve, yeah. 
and you were kind of like guiding me again. And, you know, we we're, you're like, yep, let it just drift right there. So it was a nice little bend and you could cast up into that bend and let it, let it naturally drift down, you know, a couple men's here and there, but, um, and then you started to like walk away. Cause I was like, dude, like what a line, like fucking let's go. Like, you know, and you were starting to work your way, I think across to, to go to that deeper hole and dude, oh my, yeah, fucking indicator went under, and I was like, oh, and at that point, we you kept reminding me, you're like, don't forget to adjust your indicator to you know to match the depth and whatnot. And initially, I thought I hooked bottom because my indicator was still pretty high, and when it went under, I just I was like, fuck it, you. What do you always tell me? Hook sets are free. There you go. And immediately I freaking pull back and I just see this massive curl. And I was like, <gasps> like when you would send me pictures of those bows that you have like one hand and you can barely like grip around it. Yep. And you get the fat rolls on the fingers. Dude, that was a fucking tank. Cause I, I was, I was just above stream of you and I saw it roll. I'm like, Oh my god. Literally a three second fight I had where I was like pooping my pants going, that's a fish. Like that is why that right there is like this would be the cherry on top. Yep. Popped off. You know what happens? I will say this. I think it was due to the fact that when I set, I kept tension high. Mm. I didn't bring the rod tip down to my right. Yeah, side pressure right there would have been great. Would have been were, perfect. We were worrying about that log, too, because there was another log that was a little damaged. I knew, I knew there was a fish right next to that log. I was like, there's got to be one right there. It was a perfect seam from the hole, too. Yep, and I lost him. There was no way in hell he would he would bite again. He got a pretty damn good hook. Yeah, he was pricked pretty good, and he didn't <laughs> want to look at any other food for that day. God, no. God, and, no. you know, we get up to that next pool. You were able to redeem yourself, but they weren't as the size of that fish you lost. Still good size, uh, good size bows. Um, d- darker color. Yeah, Much they have like a, color. a deeper like contrast to them. Um, and a little bit more technical in the sense of trying to do an offhand cast. Yeah, because if you're if you're fishing and you know you're right-handed, the best side of the river to be on is if the river flows left to right. So yep. your your forehand's coming forward for the right. upstream cast. But if you're on the other side of the river and it's flowing right to left, you're having to use your backhand to then fling the fly. Right upstream, and then you have to mend. So it's just like kind of all ass backwards in a, yeah. in a sense. And that that pool was kind of tricky because it was deep, it had a big eddy, but then it was really strong current in that main seam. So mm. it was it wasn't easy hold the fish. There was plenty of fish holding in it, and I've I've caught fish out of that in the main seam and the eddy. So you have all these different men to do, along with it being a backhand cast. Correct. Much more technical, I would say, but even still, like it's important to get your fly much higher, just so it has that that duration of time to sink down to that level that you need and get into the strike zone. Correct, because that's the the whole thing. Is I remember telling you this: you want long, long leaders. You know, we're talking. We have a nine foot four x tapered leader with two feet of tippet down to our first fly, and then another what 
foot to two feet of tippet down to the second fly. So we're able to get down as deep as we want as long as that fly can get as far upstream and have time to sink down. Right. And we're using our our uh, Pat's rubber legs. It's a tungsten bead head with an entire body of lead wraps. So that thing is just a weight. Oh, yeah. So that's getting down. And then your second fly, which is much lighter, is able to only get down that deep because you have that high, uh, heavier point fly. And if you're Euro-niffing, you're going to have a heavier fly as your point fly, as meaning your bottom fly. But for our case, we're indicator fishing. So can I make a side note? Because I just remembered this. Let's make a rabbit hole. Let's do it. I had, I don't know if it was for this trip. I'm pretty sure it was. But let's talk about indicators. Huh, yeah, let's talk indicators. Because we um, we used to use airlocks, which are like, they have the screw on top with the rubber washer. Was that the, no, that was a different day. But those are really heavy, and you lose those washers all the time. You lose the washers all the time. Um they freeze really they, easy. They freeze pretty easy, which this time of year, all your indicators are going to freeze. But um, They don't you, kink your line like other correct. like thingamabobbers, which is a real, real company. Right? Yeah. Where you have to like thread it, it through. through. Yeah. And that puts a big kink in your uh, like your 10-pound mono at the top of your tapered right. leader. But we were using... You I'm have not sure. like two rubber gaskets when you screw down on them, it pinches your yes, line. Yes, exactly. But then you're, you're heavy on one side of that line. So it's like, it's almost like a... Not a slingshot type of like force, but like it, it doesn't feel natural. When you no, pass. not at all. And I've tried a lot of indicators and I've used styrofoam with a toothpick, which I really like. That's probably my second favorite. Airlocks, thingamabobbers. I don't really like the yarn either. I got these Oros indicators and they're for an indicator, they're expensive. Like, a $3 indicator, like, are you kidding me? But <laughs> A $3 bobber, some might yeah. argue. <laughs> yeah, I know. And But they're worth it. Absolutely worth it. Agreed. So these, these are pretty much an airlock, but they're way lighter. Mm -hmm. And they split right in half. So there's no washer. Like, the entire foam, uh, the sphere, you just unscrew it. And there's a little screw with the slot. Yep. You put it in your line, and then you have the entire line going through the center of the sphere. Correct. And these are easy to cast, mm -hmm. light. They don't kink your line. It's definitely the best indicator out there. The only the only uh, complaint I would have is with how cold it was. Maybe not that time, but it can get cold to the point where where those two pieces of styrofoam meet. When it gets cold, you can have ice build up in there. Mm. So when you go to twist it. It can be a pain in the ass to untwist. And the other thing I'll add is, I know you haven't had this issue, but you don't know which side has the screw. Correct. So then you could be just twisting your lineup as you're trying to tighten oh. it or loosen it. Oh, yeah. So you don't, they should put like a marker on which side's the top and which side's the bottom. Yep. So then you're not like just twisting your line around and around that sphere. Even just like a different shade of white. Yeah, exactly. You know, like a darker versus like and lighter. And they do sell multicolored Oros, we get like pink and white or red and white or whatever. So that's the only complaint I could have because I like all white indicators because that looks like foam yeah. going down the, the river. So these indicators, game changer. Absolutely love them. And if I remember right, and this will bleed over into the next episode, some of the takes in the, the fall and winter, they're extremely subtle. And the, going back to when I said mm. hook sets are free, 
it's it doesn't have to be a fucking explosion where your indicator just flies underneath. Like in summer, sure. Spring, yeah. Um, fall, not not quite. Even if you have a slight twitch, not even a twitch. If it just stops. Mm. Or if it goes into the current, like, why is it going away from me? That makes absolutely no sense. Because there were times where you were watching me cast, and literally it would happen. It would either stop or have, like, a slight, like, maybe it would rotate differently. And you would go, do you see that? I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> Said it every fucking time. Yeah. So we've had, we had some weird takes that day where it would just, just slowly stop, slowly move, twitch, whatever. Hook sets are free. And there was times where, like, literally, it would just be sitting there. And I'm like, oh, it must be stuck. You know, you go to, like, mend, and it, it's still just sitting there. And then you're like, oh. And you go to, like, back cast, and you're like, oh, damn, that's a fish. Yep. And that happened multiple times this trip and a following trip. And it was, you know, it, it's, it's very noticeable. Set, set, set. The difference between a summer trout and a pre-winter winter trout. Because, I mean, we're in late November for this trip. We're pretty much on the doorstep of winter. Or what, I guess, we didn't really have winter so far until today. But, well, when I was <laughs> when we were down there after, what was it? So after we hit that big pool, the around, that was around the time it started, like, snowing. Yeah, so it started snowing and where there's this island where I lost a tank of a fish, and I talked that about that in the next episode. But this nice bend in this river, great, uh, not like an undercut bank, but there's a good seam on the outside uh, outside part of the river. And I kind of look over, and I'm like, I feel like the water's rising. Mm. And I, you're working up, you caught up to me, you kind of work ahead of me, and I just stop, and I'm looking at a rock, and I'm just watching, and then the water's just slowly going over this rock. I'm like... The water's rising right now. Like we gotta, we gotta get out and because we're on an island. Prior to our prior, there was other outings that we did, and you told me one key was to look for leaves. And I remember that as you were watching that rock, I looked to my left because it went on either side of us, and I'm like, and I looked down at you. I go, do you see that there's debris in the water? And you just go, yeah, it's rising. I just watched a rock underneath the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're on a river that's tailwater, great indicators. Look for more debris. The water is going to get more dirty because it's going to flush down, especially in the fall. Mm. You know, leaves fall into the water, but if they're under the water a good amount and it's a big stick, you know, like obviously that just didn't fall in the water. That would still be floating right now if it yeah. just fell in. So, water's rising. We were in this part, pretty much like, kind of like a canyon, you could say, because we had a fucking hike. Out of that spot. I was crawling on all fours to get out of there. It's pretty much straight up and down. Like, when you, when we crossed over and you're like, we got to find a place to climb up. And I'm like, just climb up over, like, over right there. And you get to it and it's just a wall. It's like a straight vertical. There's just no way. And it's pretty tough where, you know, I have my corkers. I had the felt soles on. So on those pine needles, it was a bitch and a half. Yeah. Would have been the time to switch them out, but... That sounds like an oh shit moment. Yeah, well, pretty much was. So we <laughs> finally barely crawl our way out of there. And the weather's starting to turn on this. The water's starting to rise. So if you're on a tailwater, you'll be surprised. It takes a bit of time for that release to actually get downriver. Mm. So I, I was like, okay, we'll get back to the car. We're going to go down to the lower section of river that I've had a lot of success on that you'll hear about in the uh, the next episode <laughs> and success. following episodes. That's an understatement. And, you know, we get 
to this spot we set up, and we work a long ways to this uh, overpass. All right, that's that's right. We started a lot further down that time. Yeah, we a started out when down. there was a feeder brook coming in, and there were some great pockets, but I kind of was like pushing us to yep. get us to this bridge. Yep. And I knew this bridge, it definitely held fish. I've caught a lot of fish out of it. More to come on that. <laughs> but but I, I, ca- I catch a nice bow, you know, right in that main seam beneath the bridge. You're uh, was ben- that a brown or a bow? That was a bow. That was a bow. That okay. was a holdover. And I think I think either, I was getting caught in a tree around that time. <laughs> I think you did. I, but I thought you also lost one in that fast current too. I lost one, but I was like trying to get a little bit more technical in my casting. And with the water levels rising, there was like this little like sapling tree in the water. But I was like, that's a good pocket. And it just sucked my fly right yeah, in that tree. It, it happens. What? It happens a little too often. But you work up. And so there's the bridge, kind of bridge pool, and then above it is like a nice, long, beautiful pool. So we're we're slowly working this, and this spot actually really is the highlight of our next episode on a future trip. But let's not get into that too much. The weather really starts to turn on us. Yeah, it was getting cold, windy, rainy, snow, shit. Just, you were on the verge of frostbite. No, I did get frostbite. I still have it on my thumb. <laughs> I've had frostbite on my thumb before, and it just, if you know, it blisters and peels, and I'm still dealing with it now. But we're fishing this spot, and I pretty much, after I caught that bow at the bridge pool, I kind of, my day was relatively over. Yeah. So I was just, you know, next to you, and what sucks is fishing this river at high water isn't bad. You know, I've had a lot of success with it. But right when they release it, the turbidity is an issue. Yes. So at the end, like the tail end of this outing, it wasn't really good conditions. Maybe like a foot of like clarity. Like you could see like a foot beyond that. But after that, forget it. So we, you kind of have to, if you're nymphing, you're really got to do a lot of pass over through these pools. And mm-hmm. we get to this one spot, and I'm kind of like t- directing traffic. You're taking cast, taking cast, taking cast, and uh, I'll let you take it away from here. But <laughs> it was it was cold. But like when we were waiting out, because the only way to access spot is through water. You can't you can't walk on land. Yeah, so it is private property on one side of the river. The other side of the river is kind of a steep bank, and you can't park to access that side. Yeah. So with the uh, stream access laws, you're able to be in the waterway. Right. Below the high water mark. So we're like almost, what, waist deep? I would say about waist deep because if I took another two steps, I'd be over my head. So we were working on this long pool. There's a really deep part of this pool and there's a little peninsula that we can stand on mm-hmm. and it's i'm to your left and you're casting it's kind of shitty out shitty out it's fucking like snowing sideways raining. and it was like kind of the first windy snow of too. the year it was windy too. i know and uh yeah like we <laughs> we have this thing from college where it's like after every meal my friend roper would always be like well, <laughs> and he'd like hit the table and we'd all just like, we started just catching on. We make fun of him for it. It's like an inside joke now with our with our group. And every time we leave dinner, he'd tap the table. Well, all right, time to go. We're like, so we'd start making fun of him. So it's an inside joke. And 
lo and behold, I don't know. It just came out of my mouth and I go, well, and I'm like, as I say that, I'm doing like a roll cast back into the current and I'm like, well, and then the indicator's on the water for like two seconds. Yep. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I went back for a cast. Like, I don't remember that part. Because I, I don't remember the indicator going under. I, I thought, just remember going, that feels like a fish, and I set. I, I'm pretty sure it was a set and not like a cast, but it happened so quickly where you're like, well, and then boom, indicator gone. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was like, holy shit. And I mean, pulled in a beautiful, uh, that was a native bow, wasn't it? No, was, it wasn't. I don't think it was. No, it wasn't. Um, but uh, yeah, it was the perfect thing to end on. It was the perfect fish to end on. And with how cold it was, it was like, we just want to get a cup of coffee, get in the car, get warmed up. But, dude, that was that was the perfect way to end that trip. I mean, this outing was, it was a long time coming. Yeah. You know, in yeah. terms of you catching your first rainbow, uh, you fishing a bigger river, nymphing, success nymphing, all these other things. Catching a fish in November on a fly rod. I mean, check off October. You can check off November. Um, we still need you to get uh, December done, but that'll yeah. be a later project. Yeah. And there's uh, a lot more exciting fishing to talk about. It's nuts that we're talking this much fly fishing in you know what's this time of year. hilarious is the fact that the fish that we've been talking about are like, we almost like look at them and go, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I've talked about this with you. I look back a year from... Uh, a year ago from now, I thought I knew what I was doing. Fool, I'm wrong. <laughs> because the the skill increase, both of us, our our gear is better. We we our approach to a trip is so much better, just with more experience going out more and more and more. Like we, when we like want to have fun fish, we know how to have fun fish. If we want to grind, we can grind. If we need to adapt, we can adapt. We've yeah. been thrown pretty much everything. Falls in the river, adapting to that. Walkie-talkies, another innovation. We we get to talk about new shit that you got this weekend. I mean, a lot's changed, and it's pretty crazy to see the whole arc of the storyline of the mass rainbow, or even just the rainbow. And, and I'll say this, because this is what I said to somebody the other day, and the fact that, yes, I've been, like, now fly fishing hard for, like, two years, right? But, like... This style of fly fishing, specifically nymphing, you have to commit to it and not just one outing. It's 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 a timeline. It's a series where you have to be invested in it for at least a year and commit yourself to it before you completely respect it. I, I You couldn't say it better because I remember two years ago when you would visit me up in college and you had your hissy fit. We've come a long way from that. A long fucking way. I'm I'm excited that dude. That was- <laughs> I'm glad of where you've like. It's impressive the the skill level. Even I would say from when we stocked the rainbow this past fall mm. to now. Agreed. Yeah. Your your skills have exponentially increased. Yeah. But but that comes with the fact of obviously I had to grind to get to where I am now as far as like catching rainbows and whatnot. But once you catch that first rainbow, you're like, all right. But w- when you're catching rainbow six, eight, ten, whatever, you just 
it's more practice. Exactly. I know this sounds cliche, but practice makes perfect. But when you start to hook into a lot of fish, you start to like, all right, this is the proper technique. It's all about fundamentals. So once you get those fundamentals under your belt, then you can start to like kind of carve it how you want it to be or like add a little like, oh, I'm going to try and like, you know, uh, muscle this one in a little bit harder and make the play a little bit like, you know, more aggressive. There's all these different things we can get into. And if, if I were to break down nymphing mm. into the three fundamentals, and I mean the bare bones to nymph, you first need to know the water load cast. Yep. You can nymph if you can do that. Yep. That's much easier to cast a two nymph rig with a water load than it is to do a dry fly cast. Mending. Mm. You If you don't mend... That I don't know what to tell you. You're gonna miss fish. You're not. You're not gonna have success. And I've I've learned it the hard way. I've been out a lot of times in 2022 in the winter, and I got skunked. And learning how to mend has been a big deal. But even more important, get your flies to the strike zone. You're gonna mm. have a long ass leader, and you're gonna be like, you remember you looked at me a couple times like this long. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, yep. And you dial in your depths. Don't be afraid to you know. Screw around. Sometimes they're higher in the water column. Sometimes they're lower. But if you do those three things, you'll catch fish nymphing. And if if I were to add a little bit more, if there's three things to get it way more technical, you know my number one is it's a double haul. Yeah. A double haul, you easily can shoot that line all the way across the river, right? Get more technical with your mends. Now, not just throwing your line up and dragging it through the water and pulling your flies up in the water column. You you know, you get a little wrist to it. You can really flick it out. You can have two mends where the, the far end of your mend is upstream and then the close one is downstream because you have different water. Right, correct. Different speeds, speeds of water right. uh, in front of you. And you might have three seams you have to go over. Uh, the last one, and I want to get into this not soon because, one, I need to tie flies for it. Two, I need to get a rod for it. Euro nymphing. If you really want to get into right. yeah. Euro nymphing, that's like uh, close quarters combat. You're using a ten foot rod. You're not really casting extremely no far. No indicator. No indicator. All feel. And I mean, I can go down a rabbit hole with this. I've I've thought about it. Yeah, for me, if you're just getting into it, I'm happy where I'm at. <laughs> just use your nine foot five weight and put an indicator on it. Um, a little tip for folks too, and. This is one thing I learned specifically on this trip is you always told me, look at the double splash. So when you're casting and you're doing a roll cast and like you just see like one splash behind your indicator, your drop rig might, your drop fly might be a little tangled or whatnot. And to build off that, that. this is for a two uh, nymph rig. So, you know, there's been, there was times where I would see you cast and. I see no splash. I'm like, we have a big problem. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's one splash. Sometimes it's like the splashes are really close together, close to the indicator. You know, something's a little out of whack there. Right. And you'll fish this whole run, and then you'll realize, oh, uh, my, my It's kind of like when you're ice fishing, and you go to, like, your hole, mm-hmm. and you see your bait just all tangled to shit, and you're like, well, how long has it been like this? Yeah, I've been fishing for about two hours. <laughs> yeah. So that's one thing to keep an eye on is make sure your rigs are – are clear of like obstructions just so you make sure that you are hitting those holes accurately and efficiently. And one last thing before we wrap up the pod, um, a big, big tip. If you're looking to get into like a, a late fall winter fly fishing, local fly shops are your 
they help you. They'll do whatever they can to make you catch fish because they want your your uh, your service or whatever your makes sense. That's just a good business. So they're gonna give you fly recommendations and. Thank God for this random dude in fucking March of 2022 said anything with silly legs. There's a lot of stones in here. Like I didn't know there was a lot of stones in there. A lot's changed since he told me that. You unlocked Pandora's box with that. I know. And then don't be afraid to reach out to people that fish this river. You know, call up the fly shops, read reports. You can go online, find this information. And again, they're gonna throw a list of flies out. Where they're gonna be like, oh, use a Pertagon, use a pheasant tail, use a mergers, use this, that, the other thing. Change your fly. Yeah. I I have gone out a lot of times without you. I've honed in this river by changing my flies all the time. And now we've gotten into like a strategy, and we'll probably talk about this later on too, but like I'm always the one that runs like the traditional like this works. This is what I'm gonna use. And then you run more of a mix up of like try something different i'm gonna try this and this yeah and that's like the one thing i i think you could admit to it the one thing you need to work on is one not falling in love with the fly correct and not falling in love with a hole in the river yes and yep. that's and i'm i'll tell you straight up when i go in february and i need to catch my wild brown i know exactly where i'm going i know what flies i'm using i'm yep. not fucking around yep but after it's i get February, it, yo <laughs> but after that i I mean, we're going to get into a whole pot about it. Last weekend, yeah. I fished I fished this river, I don't know, let's just say 50 times. I've been there a fucking ton. You've been on, yeah. You know this river quite well. And this past weekend, I only fished spots I've never fished. It's awesome. It's awesome. So don't be afraid to try something new and get into nymphing. I know there's a lot of people out there that hate nymphing. I was talking to my buddy Biot about it the other day and – He's like, so, like, what are you guys, like, running? Like, I was like, oh, we're nymphing. He's like, oh, I've never nymphed or whatever. And I was like, yeah, it's a double rig nymph, too. And he's like, geez. Like, so it's... It's scary, but it's not scary. It's... When you first look at it, when you first rig it up, you're like, it's very intimidating. To, uh, like, when you first look at it. And there's no confidence. Like, does this even work? Right. So, exactly. You have to build that confidence. But, dude, once you unlock that, like... That level of difficulty, that that challenge, if you will, man, the results are like times two. Uh, you you double your your catch value essentially. And if you want to fish in the winter, there's very, 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 very few rivers you can throw a dry fly in the winter. Mm. Farmington. Farmington. Name another one. I couldn't. Oh, West. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking East Coast, New, New England, baby. So if you want to catch fish, nymph in the winter, throw streamers in the winter, but I would say nymph, depending on the river, obviously. Right. And all water is different. Every every trout wants whatever they're feeding on. But the, this is just a lead up for our next episode. This is just... The appetizer for what's about to come, because this next episode, I'm really, really excited to record. We just set the sill plates on the foundation, and now we're ready to build, baby. I can't fucking wait. <laughs> I can't fucking wait. So make sure to check out the Instagram. Check out other pods. Share with your friends. Yeah, seriously, share with people. I mean, we've we've had all kinds of people listening on our pod, and obviously we appreciate all the listeners out there. We really do. Um like we said, we're 
we're not much here. We're just two guys that love and um, are live passionate. and breathe at the outdoors. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but it it's so much fun. I listened to a pod. I know we're trying to wrap things up, but I listened to like one of our pods from like when we first started, and I I almost laughed at us. I'm like, man, like back then we were just kind of like getting into like the nitty gritty of things, and yeah. now we're like. And this all started with an idea. I had a phone call. I was sitting in my room in college. Yep. I was like, when do you want to do a pod? And it's come a long way. It's now it was uh, 2020. Yeah, it was 2020. Yep. Tail end of 2020, but either way. Yeah, I sent you a picture the other day of you sitting in the basement when it was unfinished with your laptop with a grip and grin original table. Oh, the pallet. <laughs> The oh, pallet. Yeah, we made a table of a pallet. Oh, God. Yeah. But we've come a long ways. Uh, you know, share. Uh, we're hoping. Uh, I'm hoping. I, I, I've I been looking around at, like, you know, T-shirt designs and stuff like that. So That would be cool. And it's just, you know, if people want them, we just need to know. You know, that's kind of the big deal. Like, I, I think people want them, but um, the the the... The technique of you got to spend money to make money type of thing. Like, for me, it's not about the money. Like, it never was. Right. This never I'm there, hasn't crossed my mind. Right. Like, so, like, for me, it's like the whole merch thing. Like, I I would want to push merch out just to be like, you know, listen to the pod. Like, it's more of a pod. communication tool. And not only that, it's like a landmark. Like, oh, remember 2023, yeah. we, had, we did this. Or 2022, we did that. Yeah. So, it's just another, like... And I was like looking back through the Instagram post. We've come a long way there too. Like, photo quality has gone way up. Yeah, our outings and our success rates gone way up. Yep. And it's about to go way up in a future pod. <laughs> yeah, you wait. You folks wait for this next one. It is going to be an absolute just shooting star of a of a pod. It'll be crazy. But uh, as always, folks, uh, thank you for listening and uh, get in the woods. Get on the water.